If you're listening to this podcast, you care about local politics. If you're listening to this podcast, you're checking in on a series on the Making a Difference show known as Primary Focus. And what we're doing, particularly in Augusta, Richmond County, in the state of Georgia, is we're focusing on local candidates who will be participating, who are up for election in the May 22nd primary. Before we start the podcast, let's thank a few sponsors. Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard. If you're looking for affordable health care in a pharmacy that you can trust, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355. Let's also thank Jesse and Doris Willard with your locally owned H&R Block at 2664 Tobacco Road in Hepzibah. I recommend them because of their 25 years in the business and because they personally do my taxes. Call the Willards at 706-305-1412, 706-305-1412. Again, thank you for your concern and your passion about local politics. And if you're listening to this podcast, please, please, please make sure you participate in these important elections in 2018. You're listening to Making a Difference. Always glad to speak to a state court judge. Uh, Bo Hunter, how you doing today, my friend? I'm doing fine, Ken. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. Always glad to have you on the podcast. So last time we spoke to you, you were we were in your office on uh, Green Street. You were uh, in a uh, hotly contested runoff uh, for a... Uh, a vacant court seat, and yeah, well, well, not not a runoff. It was a, a three uh, three candidate um, contest that, and you ended up in the runoff, and then you know lost a, a closely uh, contested race, and still yet we we see you up here. We find you in Avalon. So yes. uh, <laughs> tell us uh, tell us about um, a unique opportunity and, and the appointment that came up that allowed you to be um, to be a, a state court judge. Yes, it's really been amazing. Uh, I had no idea had that it would work out this way. And Judge McIntyre and I are in the same suite now, and <laughs> and uh, we we enjoy it. And after that election, Judge Slaby decided to retire, and because his wife had some health issues, and uh, so I applied for his seat, and there was. 16 lawyers who applied we had to fill out probably a 20 page application and we sent that in and then we did interviews with the judicial nominating commission up in Atlanta and they interviewed all of us and then they sent two people who they felt were qualified to the governor's office and he interviewed the two of us and we went up again to Atlanta and (laughs) sat down in his office and uh, he uh, just chose me. And it's funny because I'll never forget it. It was the day of the eclipse. <laughs> and somebody called me and said, I think the governor may be calling you this afternoon. And my wife and I were planning to go over to Aiken to watch the eclipse because it was a little better over there. Okay. And she came down to the office. I said, honey, I think we're going to stay at the office today. I said, the governor may be calling. <laughs> and she said, well, we can watch the eclipse from here. And I said, okay, that's what we're going to do. And sure enough, in a little while, uh, he called, and he said, I've decided to name you as the state court judge for Richmond County. That's awesome. So you were in the path of totality in terms of you know the state of Georgia, but maybe not so much. Uh, for the eclipse, because I think it was a little, you could see it a little better maybe in Aiken and 
I know my wife went to Columbia, so that That's, was that was really exciting. Yeah, <laughs> but I thought this was such a climactic event, and it's something you'll never forget the day that he called, no matter what. Tell you that's um, that's really awesome. Um, so uh, sitting in this seat, we talked we uh, when we talked previously, we talked so much about your experience, but even still, actually, let me ask you this first: How nerve wracking was that process? You know, leading up to that appointment, I can only imagine. It was because you didn't know when you were going to have to shut down your practice. And as you know, I have a lot of clients and, you know, whether to tell them what was going on. And a lot of them were kind of jittery about, well, are you going to be able to see me through and stuff like that. And I saw as many, most of my cases I was able to, but you're still, you're sitting there waiting and trying to see what's going to be happening in Atlanta and, and so it was very nerve-wracking, to be honest. Yeah. Um, being in this seat, what, and I mean, thir- 34 years of experience, you've learned so much. I can imagine that even yet and still, being in this seat, you, you still, there's still so much to, to learn. Talk about some of those experiences, some maybe just some of the profound things that this seat has taught you or, being, or this opportunity has taught you. It's been extremely fascinating. I've really enjoyed being here Uh it's a different perspective sitting on the bench than it is. One of the things, though, that from my years of experience, I learned what pisses lawyers off <laughs> and not from judges. And so I have tried to make, and lawyers have a, a hard life. It's a very, you're, you're confrontational a lot, and your time it seems to be used up very quickly in courts and you have lots of courts to be in at the same time, so I've been very conscious of trying to make sure that that all of the lawyers, the public defenders, everybody is um, is taken care of in a way that that is respectful. And I think that's one of the major things I believe that I've learned, and I is that people want respect when they come in, and it doesn't matter who they are whether it's the clerks that are there or the bailiffs that are there or the victim or the defendant. They all deserve that respect as human beings. And a lot of people come in and don't expect it Hmm. and are very surprised when you give it to them. But I think it's very important because when you give them respect, then they get the respect back. It's, and it turns back and they understand that it's a system. They understand that what's happening is not a personal vendetta. It's not because of who they were, but it's what they did. And the other thing that surprised me is the number of mental health issues that we have to face in court. And I think it's because the state and federal government have given up on their obligation in that area or have not spent the resources. Mm-hmm. It's really costing us, the taxpayers, more money because they're repeat offenders. They and they're doing stuff. And I'm not, I have a good case that I could tell you about if you want me to. Hey, well, this is a podcast. Look, and I, I have the autonomy with the podcast. We got time, my friend. Tell us about it. Okay. <laughs> I was, I was going into a jail clearing, which we do three times a week, and to handle people who are incarcerated and see if we can either get them out of jail or what we need to do or set a bond. 
And as I was coming in, the bailiff said, you've got a frequent flyer today. He said, he, this guy has been around for a long time. He, he's out about six months, nine months, and comes in, does 30 days, and, and then he gets out and he comes back again, and he's a homeless person. <clears throat> so he comes up, and they call his name. He's standing there, and they said, first of all, that he didn't qualify for a public defender because he's a veteran and has veterans benefits and I hear the story of what he did and he was downtown walking by a store and he looked in the glass and as he told it he said I saw a man yelling at me and I got mad and he got madder and yelling at me and I started beating on the glass and shattered the, the, the window of the store but it was his own reflection wow. that he saw. And as he got mad, obviously his reflection was getting <laughs> madder. And I asked him where he lived, and he said he lived under a bridge. And I, I looked at the, the uh, lawyer who was the public defender in the courtroom, and I said, I'm going to appoint you to represent him because this man probably doesn't even know where his benefits are. So I called the solicitor and the public defender up to the bench, and I said, I want to tell you what we're going to do. I said, we're going to leave him in jail for the time being because if he gets out, we don't know which bridge he's living under, or he may move bridges and we'll never find him again. But in that time, I'm telling you what I want done. I want you to contact the VA and get him a caseworker to help him work on his get making sure he's got his in, his medical needs taken care of, get his financial needs in order to work on him. And then I also want you to contact America Works to get him a lifestyle coach to get him either on his meds and get him supervised to make sure that he's he's stable. And then we're gonna work with him to get him on the street, get him back in a normal living environment because this is a veteran who's been in the war and you know he has problems and if we keep him in jail it costs us so much more than if we can get him in back to being a productive citizen in this community where he's getting his medical care that he needs he has a stable living environment of some kind and has an income coming in. And that, to me, was a, just a very tragic story, and I don't know that anybody had ever tried to get those pieces put together because we don't have that those resources currently with the court. And next Friday, I'm going to uh, a meeting with all of the mental health resources people in Augusta and see, try to see what's out there that we can use as tools in our toolbox to get these people in the health and in help and health, so that they don't return back to jail. I mean, jail and our, our criminal system all the time. Well, I, <clears throat> I'm hearing about just not only your relationship with lawyers, but your relationship with the community. Um, two ideas, two themes that are, are prevalent, and that's conscientiousness and morale, um, and, and, and boosting morale and, and encouraging people. Um, where does that come from, just uh, innately, just within you? 
I have always felt that I believe we're all children of God. And with that belief comes that idea that we all have some good, we all have some, we're just human beings. And if we can help other people along the way, then they, it makes the community better, it makes our state better, it makes our country better. And I think we see in this, in this day and age that there is a lot of darkness going on in this country and you can't meet hate with hate and you can't meet, just discard people as if they don't really matter. And if we do that, then that's what I consider public service and community service is if you can make your community better then my children the people around me my neighbors my friends will have a better place to live we'll return to making a difference after these messages my name is lauren macon and you are listening to making a difference with my handsome husband ken macon hey you yeah you are you looking for affordable health care? Are you looking for a pharmacy that you can trust? Well, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard here in beautiful Augusta, Georgia. This may be a familiar voice to you. Hey, it's none other than Ken Macon from the hit show Making a Difference. And I just want to tell you about the fine folks over at Medical Villa Pharmacy. They're led by pharmacists Dr. Marshall Curtis and Baron Curtis. And I tell you, they provide great service for many of us here in Augusta, Richmond County. They take Georgia Medicaid, insurance plans, charge cards, Cards, WIC vouchers, and they even provide free delivery service. The Medical Villa Pharmacy is conveniently located in the Medical District near the Medical College of Georgia and Payne College. Medical Villa Pharmacy, they are dedicated doctors, medical mavens, and a blessing to the health industry. What more can I say but head to Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355. Tax problems giving you the blues. Tax liens, levies, garnishments, unfiled tax returns, denied a passport because you owe back taxes. I'm Jesse Willard with your locally owned H&R Block in Hepsiburg. We have over 25 years of experience in representing clients with tax problems, and we can help you to jazz up your life. Contact us at 706-305-1412 to schedule your free consultation. H&R Block, the one you know and trust. You probably thought they only do port drillings and iron doors, but at AAA Iron and Fabrication, they do a whole lot more. They do grills, that's right. They fabricate custom grills for your cookout needs. They forge team-specific iron doors, meaning that you can show support for the Atlanta Falcons, the Georgia Bulldogs, or whichever team you love. Of course, they do a top-notch job with the services you are familiar with. They can make your porch look like new with hundreds of styles of railings, and they also provide security and style with window bars. AAA Iron and Fabrication is located at 2517 Deansbridge Road. They've been in business for decades and they take pride in serving the Augusta community and surrounding areas. AAA Iron and Fabrication, they are ready to work for you. AAA Iron and Fabrication, 706-738-8044, 706-738-8044. Tell them you heard this ad on Making a Difference and you'll get 15% off your order. Hello, I'm Judge Bo Hunter. I grew up in Augusta and firmly believe in serving and giving back to my community. That is why I'm honored to currently serve as your state court judge. 
As your former solicitor and as an attorney for over 35 years, I've seen the difference a court decision can make in a family's life. That is why experience matters. I have the experience and passion to continue to serve you as your state court judge, and I'm asking for your vote on May 22nd. Paid for by the committee to elect Bo Hunter. I want to go back to uh, the mental health piece because that is a, a primary focus of your campaign. Um, and you, you alluded to it earlier with the earlier story, but if you can just kind of uh, reemphasize and maybe even uh, expound on why that's such a passionate topic for you. That and addiction. And I'm not sure where that has come from. I know that my brother um, is an alcoholic who's been sober for eight years. And so I went through that and my family and my mother and all of those reactions and, and those kind of things. And I think mental health is a similar type of, and a lot of times drug, and a lot of times people with mental health problems self-medicate with drugs. And, and so they fall into that pattern where they don't feel well or they know something's wrong. They don't want to get on the medication, but they will go and do something else to make them feel better. So they're kind of intertwined in some degree, and I'm just, I feel like those people have been neglected in our society. And as I said, I think our government has has cut those resources and all three levels, you'd say? I'd say all three levels mm. have have just kind of minimized. I think that's been one of the budget cuts that people have always done because those people are probably not voters. They are people that we can sweep under the bridge and just not notice them in our community if we don't want to. Mm. Oh, and you, you bring up a point because you said they're not voters, and there's a kind of a, a mutualistic thing I try to even with the spirit of the podcast you know we talk about governmental responsibility we talk about personal responsibility what, what do you think it'll take and I, I want to see this just in terms of the of the community almost a paradigm shift what do you think it'll take to have people to become more civic minded particularly as it relates to you know if you have more of an understanding of government if you have more of an understanding of these opportunities that it can help you it can help your neighbors not only in the short term but in the long term well, one of the things I've done is we, in our community service piece of state court, and, we, and I give a lot of, of um, community service, but I always tell people, I said, do not think of this as punishment, but think of this as a contribution to the community. So I've had them go to the Savannah River Keepers. I've had them work with um, older... I had two the other day they wanted to work with aged people and a couple that wanted to work with the homeless people. Mm. So I send them to those agencies and I tell them, I said, I hope that after you've completed what I've asked you to do, that you'll find an interest in this and find a group of people that you can identify with. It also gives you a community yourself that you're not aware of. So you, it connects you with other people and builds that community relationship with other people. And it gives them that, I said, it's a civic duty. And I said, I'm not putting you in jail or I'm not giving you the fine today. And you need to pay that forward to other people and to your community because they're giving me this opportunity to help you. Makes a lot of sense. 
I'm um, looking at uh, just some, some points of your campaign. We um, actually talked about this at the beginning of the, of the podcast, but just talk about, I mean, it, it, it should go without saying, but I just think it's something that we can't emphasize enough is your experience and what you bring to the table, just just in terms of, of, your, no, of, of your knowledge, just of judicial matters. Talk about that and just impress upon the listeners and, and the voters why that's so important. You know, I think of lawyers, people don't realize lawyers are like doctors and you have specialties and mm-hmm. some lawyer, some doctors are orthopedic surgeons and some are heart doctors. Well, I've been a trial lawyer in the courtroom for 35 years and I've been representing people. And I have represented people against slumlords and stood up by them and had to fight for them in a courtroom. And I've stood up for um, children against tobacco companies and in a courtroom. I have I was the one who has allowed us in Georgia to allow transgender people to pick their own names now. Mm. And you know got that that was a breaking I mean a noteworthy change in our judicial system of which I'm proud. And that was in a courtroom. And so when you when I sit there as a judge, I can tell when people are not telling the truth. I can tell when, just like when I know you have a baby, but when they get older, <laughs> you'll be able to tell your, when your children are not telling you the truth or not. <laughs> it's that experience and that, that caring about those people. And when you've sat in a in your office and talk to these people one-on-one for 35 years, you pretty much can read people. And that's an important thing because it's a complex thing in state court. I think it's much more so than in Superior Court where they have a murder case or a kidnapping case. That's kind of gotten to the extreme and it's really hard to change that person's life. But in state court, we have that opportunity to catch something early, to do something about somebody to maybe make their life better and them to be better people for our community. And I'll ask you that, too. And I, I ask you this often. You're just a person who never gets frustrated or tired with this question. And I, and I appreciate you for that. But just for the layman and just maybe for a first time listener. State court, what, state court judge. What, what does that even mean? Okay, that's a good idea. We do two. We we have two sides. We have the civil side, which is like your car wrecks. Um, but we had uh, a case that we had a verdict of four million dollars about a month ago that Judge Booker tried. Um, that's part of us, and then we handled criminal cases. Why criminal cases go from. Uh, traffic tickets to um, DUIs to shoplifting to theft by fraud. We've handled some of the cave cases that the district attorneys made with the abuse of the elderly and and um, vulnerable in this community to statutory rape to uh, I've had one of those. I've had sexual battery. I have domestic violence cases and those are very difficult cases too in this community because you have people who either get drunk and fight or they have problems with a child and issues of, of 
parenting with that child and some people are just mean and some people just are very vulnerable and allow somebody to continue to take advantage of them. Trying to figure out that problem and how to get to that person, whether it's through getting tackling the main core problem of alcoholism or get them to go to parenting classes, which I do, then that's from my broad range of practice from being in domestic relations. I also tell them about where to go to get um, their child support started or get their visitation started, and that can resolve a domestic violence issue or confrontation in a home. And so I think that the cases here aren't easy always. Your traffic tickets, but one thing that I discovered uh, at judges school and have implemented here is zero point tickets. So if especially people under 21, we can we we require them to take a defensive driving course and do some community service, but we can put zero points on their license and it keeps it from getting it suspended. I don't know if you know, I mean, you and I, it's easier to get a license, but nowadays those 16 to 21, they have all these restrictions. And right. if they get these tickets and they can suspend their license until they are 21. It's also, I mean, it's cost effective too because, you know, points and, you know, insurance, I'm guessing is. Right. Yes, it helps. And with the parents who have to pay that insurance sometimes too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask you, um, you talked about uh, working to modernize state court. Um, what would that look like? We started doing e-filing. I serve on the Judge Carl Brown has appointed me to the to the electronic processing of paperwork in in state court. There's a committee working on that, and so we're looking at ways to not have as much paper as you can see. I. If you, <laughs> If your listeners could see my desk, they would understand. I mean, this is just the sentencings from one morning session. Right. And that's a big pile of paper. And if we get to that point, it'll be more efficient, easier. We can process the census quicker. It'll be more electronic friendly. And I'll, and I'll just, just to give um, the listeners some perspective, I mean, because when we talk about, you know, uh, pouring through cases and, and rectifying cases, that's kind of your calling card. How many of those those packs of paper could we see you with? I mean, just at one time. I've handled over 3,000 cases in the last 10 months. Man. <laughs> that's a lot of cases. That's that's eye-opening. Yes. Man, oh, man. I sometimes send 75 to 90 people a day. Goodness, goodness. Or handle their cases in one way or another. Man, just... Um, Final word to the listeners, um, if you could just, you know, we've talked so much about just, I think, just a wide range of issues, but in in that, you know, kind of the campaign is kind of implied, but, you know, if you just want to take this opportunity to encourage the voters to come out and um, support you on Tuesday, May 22nd, or maybe in, or during advanced voting. Yeah, I would, I really do, would appreciate that. I think uh, I have been an advocate for this community. I consider it an honor to serve as a judge, and I would appreciate if everyone would consider me and, and look at my record and reelect me as their state court judge. That's excellent. Always glad to have state court judge 
and incumbent uh, bow hunter on the show. Glad to talk with you, my friend. Always good to talk to you. All right, so the episode just ended, and you're mad. MAD making a difference, but you're also mad because the episode is over. But here's the deal. The movement continues. It continues on social media and far beyond. Social media, Facebook, Twitter. You can go to facebook.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N a difference show, and you can keep up with social commentaries. You can also know when the podcasts are coming out. You can also know when our video laws are coming out. And that's the way you can keep up with that is facebook.com backslash making difference show. You can also keep up with us on Twitter. My Twitter handle is difference making that's D I F F E R E N C E making M A K I N. If you want to follow the SoundCloud podcast, you can do so by going to soundcloud.com backslash making a difference. If you're interested in advertising with making a difference, you can shoot an email to making M A K I N a difference show at gmail.com. That's making a difference show at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your support. I love you guys. Peace and God bless. You win. Perfect.